Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Have you ever been lost? You may have taken a wrong turn and got off trail and soon night falls and you don't have any light to help guide you. Let's face it, on any given day, we encounter more darkness than we do truth. But God is whispering to us all the time, telling us which way to go, but sometimes the, the outside or the internal voices, they fill our heads. But God does more than just whisper to us. He gives us light. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God loves us so much, he provides a way. His word, only his word is our lamplight. Won't you follow? Well, a few months ago, we asked people, you in our congregation and online, what scriptures have meant the most to you? Basically, you know, what scriptures have brought the most joy to you, have encouraged you greatly in your life? What scriptures have provided strength for you in times of trouble? Basically, what scriptures have served as a lamplight for you? As we just saw, the Bible tells us that his word, God's word, is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. And so God's word serves as a lamp. It provides enough light for you to take your next step safely. And it also tells you how to take that next step. And once we take that step into obedience, then we are brought into his light. And it shines a spotlight on the path ahead in terms of where God is taking us. His word is our lamplight. And that brings us to the scripture we're talking about today. Again, this is a scripture that uh, those in our congregation said, you know what, this is my favorite verse in the entire Bible. It's Isaiah 40, 31, and it begins this way. They who wait for the Lord. They who wait for the Lord. Those are beautiful words. They're powerful words. But right now, I want to pause here for just a moment and focus on just one word in that beginning phrase, the word wait. Who here enjoys waiting? We have one person who enjoys, okay, who looks for opportunities to wait, right? Like nobody, right? And the same goes for me. In fact, there is a light that I have to always go through. Uh, we, we moved to this new neighborhood a couple years ago, and in order to get out of the neighborhood, there is a stoplight there, an intersection there, and it's long. You know, it is, so as I get out, if it's, Red, I know I'm going to be there for a couple minutes, but here's the thing. I mean, as long as I see people getting where they need to go, I'm like, okay with it, right? I mean, the same would hold true for me somewhere down the road. I'll be moving and they'll be sitting. That's just how it works. But here's what really bothers me. And this has happened so many times that I'm leaving my neighborhood. I hit that red light and I sit there and there is no one. The entire time I'm waiting for that light to turn green, no one, no one. And I sit there and I'm thinking, what good is this? Like, who is this servicing right now, right? And be honest with you, I even have moments where I talk to the light. 
You know, like encouraging it to change, like it's gonna have any impact at all. I'm really frustrated because I don't get why I'm here. I don't get that this even makes any sense at all. And the truth is, for some of you online right here in this place, you're sitting at a very different red light. You've been sitting there for weeks, months, maybe even years, and it hurts. And you don't get why you're waiting. You don't get why you're stuck there. You don't get why you're not moving. You don't get it. We've all been there at times. If you haven't, there might be a time in your life when you'll learn what I'm talking about right now. The waiting, it's hard and it can hurt. And I think partially the reason why is because of our faulty definition for the word wait. I mean, when we think about waiting, we think about it this way many times. To stay where you are until something happens which allows you to move, right? So you're gonna stay where you are until something happens which allows you to move. And this definition, it places us in a powerless situation. After all, something else or someone else, not us, gets to decide when we finally get to go somewhere. And we don't like to be in a powerless position. We want it the other way around. We want to be the decision makers. And if we were, if we we're honest, then many other people would have to wait so that we could always be going somewhere. Bottom line, we don't like to wait. And yet, you know, when you think about it, there are situations where it's easier to wait when compared to others. You ever had this before? Like, for example, unexplained weights are harder than explained weights. They just are. I mean, if you know ahead of time that there's gonna be a traffic jam, maybe you're gonna head somewhere, you put it into your phone, and all that red shows up, right? And it's explained to you that, man, you're not gonna get anywhere. Well, you'll either leave earlier, or you'll find a different route to get there because it's been explained to you. But if you're late, you know, running to the airport to pick up a relative, and suddenly you run into a traffic jam, and it's there, and you're not getting anywhere, and you don't know why, and you can't figure it out, oh, that kind of waiting is hard. And then, related to this, uncertain weights are harder than known weights. So if you arrive at the doctor's office on time, and then imagine this, they tell you that the doctor's running late. I mean, that hardly ever happens, right? And, and so maybe the doctor's 45 minutes late, and they tell you that, well, you know what? At least you know about it. And you could do other things in that 45 minutes, but, but you know about that. But when you finally get into the doctor's office and you explain kind of your symptoms, and you know, he or she says, oh, we have to run some very serious tests here. But you know what, let's run those tests, but they'll be posted you know, online this afternoon. And then the afternoon comes, nothing. And you get up the next morning, nothing. And by the next afternoon, nothing. And now you're just kind of freaking out because you don't know what those tests say. You don't know why it's taking so long. You start going down all these different roads in your mind because uncertain weights, oh, they're harder than known weights. And then unfair weights are harder than fair weights. I mean, if you're with a large group of people, you know, you're waiting to get into the theater. Maybe it's a general admission kind of an event, but there's no line and no authoritative figure kind of guiding the process. Basically, every man and woman for themselves, oh, that bothers you, especially if you got there first and now people are kind of getting in front of you because it's just not fair. 
But if you're standing in line and there's people actually guiding the process of the people who got there first get in first, the people who got there last get in last, well then we don't like to wait, but at least it seems fair. We're good with it. And then how about this one? Solo weights are harder than group weights. Solo weights are harder than group weights. And so if you get to the airport, you're flying somewhere, right? You're going through security and suddenly they pull you out of the line, right? To kind of look at you and you have to go through some other things and they're checking you out while everyone else is getting where they need to go and you see them, but you're getting nowhere fast because they're focused on you when there's no reason to focus on you. Well, boy, that just really bothers you. But if everyone in the line that you're in has to step through the same security process, well, at least you're in the same boat together. It's not great, but you'll eventually get there. Solo weights are harder than group weights. But bottom line, we don't like to wait no matter when the weight comes or what flavor the weight comes packaged in. And I think one reason why we don't like to wait is because we already spend enough time waiting in our lives. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but studies show that you and I will spend almost two years of our lives waiting in line. Did you know that? Two years just waiting in line. And that's horrible. But another study shows that, you know what, the, the truth is that the average American, when given the choice of what to do with their time, will actually waste about 22 hours of their week on completely worthless activities. So it seems that we abhor wasting our time waiting in line because we'd rather, you know, rather waste our time doing something else that we choose. And when we do wait, our waiting is seldom still. I mean, we don't sit there you know, with a smile on our face, happily enjoying every single moment. No, no, no. If we're waiting, we'll try to fill it up. We'll text somebody. We'll call somebody to kind of add some more purpose to our wait. And in doing so, the truth is we can miss engaging with the others in front of us and behind us. What a great opportunity to get to know them and find out about them. But we don't do that because we're focused on our weight. And we can miss the, really the peace of basking in that moment. We need a peaceful moment or two in our lives. So why don't we just enjoy it? Because the rest of the day is going to be filled up. And the truth is, we can miss what God might be saying to us because we're filling our minds with other words we'd like to say but know we shouldn't say since we're good Christians. But boy, there's a lot milling going on up here, right? We don't like to wait. And in light of this, do you not know, have you not heard that they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength? They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Heard that verse before? Yeah? People say, I'm waiting on the Lord. Well, here, prophet Isaiah is telling us to embrace an entirely different perspective when it comes to our waiting. I mean, rather than wait like something else or someone else is gonna decide for us when we get to move, Isaiah is reminding us that God is always on the move. He's always on the move. Even when we can't see him, he's working. And that's why Isaiah chose his word for wait very carefully. In the Hebrew, wait means to look for, to hope, to expect. 
So in a nutshell, whenever we face something in our lives which causes us to wait for a day, a week, a month, or a year, we are to wait with a hopeful expectation for what God is doing and what he is about to do. That's why in some versions of the Bible, it actually states it this way, those who hope in the Lord. So it's a hopeful waiting. Has a lot to do with our expectations. You see, how we see and respond to the details of our lives often has more to do with our expectations than what we're actually experiencing. So it's important we don't just think about the idea of our expectations, but the kind of expectations we actually have. Because here in Isaiah 40, Scripture encourages us to wait with a hopeful expectation. You might say that we're called to live like many expectant mothers do. You've seen this before, right? Often a future mother is so excited, right, about the future birth of her child that she'll post her progress online. You know, here's me at four months, right? Here's me at six months. Here's me at eight months. The waiting isn't comfortable. It's completely life-altering. Sometimes it can make that mother sick. It it stalls so many different things and changes so many things about her life. But she waits with a hopeful expectation because she knows, boy, that child is coming. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. Likewise, we're to live with a hopeful expectation of what God is doing and what God is about to do as we wait. He is constantly growing us and showing us all that he has waiting for us. So I want you to think about your life. How could that perspective be applied to your current situation right now? I mean, rather than feel stuck as you wait, how could you anticipate God's move as you wait? You see, the Hebrew text not only points us in this direction, but the the name of the author also points us in this direction. Isaiah. It means the Lord is salvation. You see, the theme of God's ultimate salvation runs all the way through the book of Isaiah. In fact, throughout every single chapter, he reflects upon God's sovereignty over all people, God's sovereignty over pagan nations, God's sovereignty over every detail of our lives. And because God is sovereign, which means God is ultimately in control of all things, we wait for the Lord for his provision. We wait for the Lord for his salvation. So the Hebrew text points us in this way of hopeful expectation. The name of the author tells us to wait with a hopeful expectation. And the context of Isaiah 40 also tells us to wait with a hopeful expectation. You see, Isaiah 40 is actually a transition chapter when you take a look at it in the Bible. For example, in the various uh, previous chapter, chapter 39, Isaiah states that the Babylonians would soon invade Jerusalem, leading to a long period of captivity for God's people. And, and chapter 9 doesn't stand alone. There are various passages, preceding passages, where Isaiah tells them that due to their decisions, due to their sin, they would experience a long season of judgment and challenges. I think the problem for us sometimes is we tend to think that our choices are our choices. There should be little ramifications for them because they are ours, and therefore they are good. And we forget that the very God who made us is both just and he is good. And that's why Isaiah 40 suddenly transports us from what will happen 
as a means of judgment to what will happen on further down the road due to God's incredible goodness. Take a look at the first two verses. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, if we look at that casually, you might think, okay, double means double trouble or like a double judgment. It's really super harsh. In the Hebrew, it means to fold over, to fold in half, to fold in half. And when something is folded over, each half corresponds exactly with the other. And so when applied to this verse, it means that there's an exact correspondence between sin and judgment. It signifies that God's judgment is fair. It also demonstrates something else. It demonstrates that out of God's fair judgment for the sins of the people arise God's amazing grace due to his love for his people. And what does this have to do with you? Well, the truth is that your current trial, your current setback, or the one that you're kind of sensing right now, may have little to nothing to do with a bad choice you made or a sin in your life. The reality is we live in a perfect world. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. So Isaiah 40 describes the outcome for those who wait for the Lord in the midst of their sin. But imagine the outcome then for those who are struggling due to no sin at all. It's a reminder that we should never forget just how good our God is. And that's why we see this in verse 5. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. You see, this verse reminds us that whatever the reason for your current reality, when we wait with a hopeful expectation for the Lord to move, everyone eventually will see his move. It doesn't mean they're going to credit God with what they see, but they're going to see what God has done. And that's partially why Isaiah builds upon this theme in these verses that follow. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. He's saying God is in control. And while you wait with a hopeful expectation for what God will do, God is working everything together for you. But also, he's saying, while you wait with a hopeful expectation for what God will do, never forget that God is greater than those who think they're great and might be trying to do you in. And God is stronger than any problem that you might face. See, if, if we miss seeing God's hand at work, though, it's likely because we're busy working ourselves into places of greater stress, greater distrust, greater worry. Have you been there before? I have, to be honest. I mean, have you walked a season in your life where you thought the worst was possible, so you started looking for the various ways that worse could show up? Have you been there? Whenever we live this kind of journey, our eyes are not focused on things above. They are focused on things below. And that's why Isaiah then is calling all of us to full attention He's saying, you know what? I know your wait seems long. I know you feel alone. I know some of you, you're losing hope. But in the midst of everything swirling around you, do not forget who God is. Some of you have been forgetting. That's why Isaiah writes, he says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. 
who created all these, who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Which means, by the way, neither are you. You are not missing. You are not missing. God knows exactly who you are. God knows exactly what you're going through. And God knows exactly what he is doing. Now, because we often misunderstand the ways in which God works, Isaiah calls each one of us to put our minds to work. And he asks us some questions. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He's saying, you know what, while you may be tired, God never grows weary. And while you might be confused, God sees everything clearly. And because God never grows tired and God never gets weak, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. See, Isaiah is reminding us that everyone needs God's strength. Even those who are young, even those who are full of energy, they need God's strength too. And then what's interesting here, if you look at the text, is that Isaiah writes perhaps one of the most interesting words of all in this text, the word but. But, it's a contrast word. It's a word that says weakness and hopelessness are what you experience when you wait like God is not in control. When you wait like God is not strong enough to handle your situation. But, but those who wait with a hopeful expectation, those who wait while knowing that God is in control, experience something much greater than they ever imagined. And here it is. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So here's the problem. I think people think sometimes waiting for the Lord is passive. I just kind of sit here while I'm waiting for God to do something. Friends, we do not wait like empty cups expecting to be filled while we do nothing. No, no, no. It's not passive. It's saying those who wait with hopeful expectation, looking for what God is doing, waiting for what God will do, they renew their strength. And the word renew means to put on a fresh so scripture is telling us that the strength we first knew when we came to, in our weakness to God will be made afresh within us once again. And in renewed strength, because we're living with this hope-filled expectation, we soar with wings like eagles. We soar with wings like eagles. And it signifies, friends, that the very trouble and discouragement which has kept us grounded or is keeping us grounded currently will ground us no more. Because in renewed strength, we will soar over them rather than be trampled down by them. It's a hope-filled expectation, which leads to the fact that we run without growing weary. You see, we, you get weary if you've ever been a runner. If you have a lot of weight on you, if you had a backpack on you that's heavy, it's gonna make you weary, it's gonna pull you back. And so we run without growing weary means we're not held back by our past or defined by our past. Our renewed strength will help us to move forward in brand new ways. Paul wrote about it this way. He says, one thing I do, 
forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And this signifies, friends, that as we wait for the Lord, we are freed by the Lord. Our past no longer holds power over us, rather like the Apostle Paul. We individually say that I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we soar, we run, and then we walk without feeling fatigued. We walk without feeling fatigued. How so? By way of his lamp, by way of his light, by way of his word. Think, well, that sounds great. His word is a lamp light. Sounds great, but isn't this backwards? I mean, come on now. Shouldn't we first walk and then run and then soar? Well, not necessarily. See, when we come to faith in Christ, we first soar. Take a look at Paul. He writes in Ephesians 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And here it is. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So as new believers in Christ Jesus, the first thing we do is we soar into heavenly places with our Lord. But we're not alone. Everyone else has placed their faith in Jesus Christ has soared there too. So there's this great group of people, right? And that's why the writer of Hebrews says this then. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we soar with Christ into heavenly places so that we might run with perseverance the race marked out for us here. But that's not all. Paul writes, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So put it all together. We soar so that we might run, so that we might walk more deeply with Jesus Christ, the Son. We soar so that we might run, so that we might walk more deeply with Jesus Christ, God's Son. Bottom line, those who wait with hopeful expectation renew their strength. They soar, they run, they walk. Even when what they are waiting for doesn't seem to come past, you know, for weeks or months or years. So may we never forget, Isaiah 40, 31 is not a formula for how we can wait to get our answer now. Isaiah 40, 31 is a guideline for how we are to wait since we already have our answer in him. So back to where we started. I want you to imagine, some of you don't have to, but I want you to imagine you're at the intersection of your life and you're the only one there. Oh, that red light, it has been there for a really, really long time. How might you wait with a hopeful expectation? What does it look like to say, God, you're at work. I know you are. I trust you. And I can hardly wait to see what you're going to do. What does it look like to wait like that? Because bottom line, friends, this world wants you to be weary. This world wants to beat you down. But those who wait with hopeful expectation renew their strength. Let us pray. Dear Father, 
You know what's going on in the lives of every single person watching online, every single person who's here in this room? Some are experiencing kind of a great season right now. They don't even know what I'm talking about because they can't remember the last time they struggled like that. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that season in their life. But there are many who remember a difficult season. There are many who are in such a season right now. Help us, Lord, not to wait passively. Help us to wait with a hopeful expectation, knowing you are at work and expecting you to work in ways that we've never imagined or seen before. Help us to wait like that. Help us, Lord, to soar, to run, to walk. Help us to know in the midst of what we're facing, and even though we have challenges coming from outside or some other person, maybe it's at work, maybe it's our health, whatever it is, help us to know that because you are God and you are in control, there is nothing that you can't do. Help us to have a hope-filled expectation in you. Each day that we live, each moment you give us breath, Help us to live like that. To the glory of you, our Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.